Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I was deeply invested in the appearances, mm. but I wasn't invested in mine. Because you sort of decided that it wasn't for you. It wasn't. You weren't ever going to be a great beauty. No. Therefore so I thought to, I can yeah. help people. Hello and welcome back. If you're an eager listener, you may have noticed that that voice at the beginning was mine. And my thinking behind being a guest on my own podcast was that for 12 weeks, I've been joined by lots of amazing people to talk about their life's journey and how products and their appearance have had an impact. And now that series one is nearing an end, I thought it about time that I offered up my story. So I drafted in my good friend, the writer Rebecca Reed, to host. Some of you may remember her from last week's episode, where she shared her memory so eloquently. So if you haven't yet listened to hers, I'd really encourage you to go back and do so. Let me hand over to Rebecca Reed. How do you usually start? I say, hello, <laughs> welcome to Beautiful Lives. Okay, hello, welcome to Beautiful Lives. And uh, if you're listening carefully, you will realise that I am not Madeline Spencer, I am Rebecca Reed, And um, I'm interviewing Madeline today because if anybody should be talking about their beautiful life, it's Madeline Spencer. Um, so I met Madeline um, about three years ago on a press trip and I instinctively didn't like her because she, I thought she was younger than me because she has such good skin. And uh, within about 10 minutes of meeting her, she had told me off for both smoking and drinking Diet Coke. And that has really summed up my relationship with her. But she is the woman who knows the most about beauty out of anybody I know um, and is one of the most fascinating people I've ever met. So I'm very excited to talk to her about her life and her relationship with beauty. So hello, Madeline. Okay, what a professional introduction. I'm so <laughs> flattering to you. Well, I feel like I'm on the BBC. Hi. <laughs> I made my radio voice. Oh, I love your radio voice. Hello. I guess we should start at the beginning. So mm. um, you have quite a fascinating family. Yes. Um, I've always thought that they are much more interesting than most people's family. So tell me a little bit about your parents and your siblings. Right, well, my parents both are immigrants. So my dad left Hungary in, gosh, when he was 17 during the revolution. He's 80 now, so... I think that was 56 or 57. And he left and he escaped from Hungary. He's a very, very tough, commanding, impressive human um, who has quite a loud... He's in a room. You know he's Mm. in a room. And and he wanted to be a musician, um, but didn't have the means to be a musician. So he kind of... He worked his way through his life. He started by working um, in ships once he made it over to Austria. Then he worked on the Queen Mary as a waiter. Then he worked at Claridge's as a waiter where he met loads of the Rat Pack. And he was always fostering this love of music, but not a musician. Mm. And then he opened a couple of restaurants. There were some hilarious tales, but they're his stories to tell. Um, And then he ended up opening a restaurant in 67 called Tirola Hut, which is a restaurant he still has today. And I think his thinking was, well, I know about the um, food industry and... I'll have a captive audience, so I'll mm. perform for them. So he plays, like, the clarinet, the piano, the accordion, like, most instruments he picks up, he plays them. And he met my mum in London, and my mum had left Austria, where she was one of seven children. Um, they were quite poor. Um, her mum had a very up-and-down... I loved my grandma, which she was an incredible woman, but she had a very um, big life story, lots and lots of different events, lots of people. Um, she had seven children with five men, you know, lots going on. 
And so my mum left when she was about 14, went to Switzerland, came to London. And my mum, the thing about my mum, so where my dad's personality would strike you, my mum's beauty would strike you. And when they met, my dad said, oh, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she was blonde and looked a little bit like a cross between Debbie Harry. And I think she likes to think Agneta from ABBA. <laughs> I think Brigitte Bardot. I see a Brigitte Maybe Bardot Maybe Brigitte thing Bardot too. Yeah. She is quite staggeringly beautiful. My first memory is of that sort of maybe not polarity but like my dad's dark and quite noisy and my mum was blonde and beautiful mm. and a traditional woman they felt like a very traditional they are they're couple. very they are they're, and your dad's sort of commanding and hard-working yeah and, and successful and your mum's an incredible parent and very nourishing and loving yeah. and so you did have a quite a stereotypical yeah and then my siblings are older than me both of them and actually my sister's eight years older than me and my brother's 12 years older so by the time I was I w- had a very strange adult childhood where I never really felt like a child child mm. because they were all older everyone around me was older and I just had to sort of keep up so I was very instantly thrown into this quite adult world yeah so one thing that I've noticed a lot of us have talked about on beautiful lives I remember Dolly saying mm. growing up with a very beautiful mother um and I think we talked about as well my mum's very physically petite um I think that can be quite not I mean you are I think incredibly beautiful but no broadly speaking teenagers tend not to quite get it right or children tend to be learning about themselves how did you find that growing up with such a beautiful mother what would happen is at school i remember being i remember being in my my very young school when i was like maybe four or five and people would say is your mum coming to pick you up and they would be wanting her to like girls and men and they'd go and look at her and she'd come in this like car with the roof down and always like my mum's massively into fashion and always the newest sunglasses um looking very cool what does she wear to pick you up like fashion like she wasn't like she'd wear sometimes wear a tracksuit but it was never like you know just a tracksuit it was, yeah. she was always dressed you know mm. and she would wear that blue cloud around her eyes yeah. with lots of mascara and maybe fuchsia lipstick i mean completely tasteless now you yes. know like a but very Wait, 80s. we should say what year were yeah. you born i was born 84 so you're so primary school sort of 1990s yeah no, well, 1990 no 1988 was kind of the time that i'm remembering this from i remember yeah. being very young and mum picking me up and yeah and that being a big thing and then my brother as well because by the time i was four my brother um had started as a model so he was also like quite right impressive looking and your and, sister is also and my very attractive. Really, yeah, yeah and the three of them i remember actually my mum said when when i was born um my brother and sister were born blonde hair blue eyes and mum was like these are my children they look like me my beautiful mountain yeah, my children. beautiful lovely blonde children <laughs> and then i arrived and i had a shock of black hair i was a forceps birth so my face was purple i looked i mean the first picture of me like is just unbelievable it's just awful black hair purple face like eyes that were slightly pushed in and screaming my head ferociously and my dad's dad said that's the hungarian one and to my (laughs) mum that wasn't a good thing like it wasn't my mum was like oh okay and i think that that set us up as almost like she couldn't quite understand and so i felt separate to this beauty to this Mm. blonde beautiful you know and also the people like that i was into in the 80s were like Kylie, Debbie, Harry, you know, like these kind of like blonde, yeah. caramel skinned. And Fair, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't feel like I, I, I felt quite disenfranchised from that. I felt quite far from, yeah. from my experience. And so I think although I knew she was beautiful, I didn't feel like that was going to be my thing. Mm. And I knew that I was stockier. When I was six, I got really fat. I think I was quite emotional about this. And I put on, I started comfort eating. Mm. And I got, well, I say fat, but like I really went from being a normal slim child to being yeah. an overweight child. Well, like, I, was, I, was, I was very sceptical about that when you first told me, but actually you showed me a picture of you and Mick and you you do, you are quite a huge chubby child. Yeah. But you were... But I was a significantly a overweight child. I was a full figure. I was overweight. And I was quite round faced. And, and round faced, yeah. Compared to your very angular siblings, you look yeah. different. Yeah, and I didn't, and I wasn't happy either. I was using food 
you know, I look back and I don't think of a child who mm. was eating food and just really enjoy. I wasn't. I was downing it as someone who's yeah. nervous and in need of comfort. And I guess also if you grow up around restaurants, then there's lots of food around. Yeah. Eating's presumably part of your life. Yeah, but it was all very Austrian. I, I didn't like meat from a very young age. I ate it until later in my life. Mm. But I didn't really... That didn't appeal to me. It was sweets, sugar, cakes. Yeah, okay. And we had a drawer full of them. But mum would keep the drawer there, but she would sort of berate us for eating out the drawer. And my very skinny sister, who was like long-legged, blonde, mm. skinny... We'd walk down to the corner shop with like a pound each and we'd each buy an entire pound worth of sweets. Like literally like a hundred And in the early nineties you get a lot of sweets for a quiz. Yeah, like a hundred of them. Like literally a hundred penny sweets. And my sister would give them all to me and be like, Here you go, you can have them and she's always very sweet like that, but also like I can't mm. believe how much sugar I must have been eating. Yeah. I was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um so do you ever remember watching either your older sister or your mum doing their makeup? My sister never did my sister used to be very it was and remains very into skincare because she had eczema. So one of my um, memories is Mick, who I was always in my sister Mick's room, and Mick would get up in the middle of the night because her skin was tight and put on um, that thick, not Balnoin, she used to bath in that, like E45, like E45 I think E45 it would have been. Stuff, yeah. yeah, but the thick stuff, like yeah. the stuff that was like fat. It, it was that one that came in a tub. Huge. Uh, and you, used, you know, my brother had eczema, that you yeah. kind of take a little handful yes. out of it and smear it. And it was sort of like, it was almost like goose fat. Like yes, it was, like, like, yeah. actual cooking fat yeah it was and, and totally like solid white yes on your skin yeah, yes like, that's oh. exactly it i, I can't still remember the smell of it yeah yeah it's revolting yeah. Yeah. And she used to slap her skin in it so i remember that but my mum would put on makeup she'd have um the only thing i really remember was those girl and balls you um, know <laughs> and they, so what i always found confusing is they were like pink blue gold yeah. and copper colored yeah and i never understood why the blue ones were in there i think she put it all over, also i think mum put it all over her face if yeah, i remember correctly spread, is that i think it might be like a highlighter i mean now i would use one of the brush in it don't yeah. Who I remember more on the glamour side was my aunt Ingrid, who was looked a lot like Elizabeth Taylor, had a different dad to my mum, so darker, mm. but green eyes. And she was very, very ludicrously into having like whatever cocktail was important at the time. Mm. I think snowballs at one point oh, yeah. was the thing. Very trendy. Yeah. So loads ad, of... <laughs> advocate and something else. Yes, advocate. And yeah. I don't even know what. She used to make them in this, she had this garage area and she'd come out with them and she'd give them to us. We were like six and she'd be like, just have a sip, but hold it. <laughs> and she'd have like a cigarette dangling at all times. Pink lipstick on, like either grey or blue eyeshadow, but shed loads of it. Mm. And all pearl and pearl necklaces and she used to um work for a man who had who did something with fabric and anyway one day she turned up with a bag like a carry bag full of sequined offcuts you know the sort of oh, things that you could stick onto yes. clothes i never did anything with them i never sewed them onto anything but i used to put them out in my room almost every day and look at them touch them play look at them yeah. arrange them i do the same with my mum's jewelry so this the aesthetic was really important and i almost felt like from very young I had the sense of that's what things should look like. Yes. That person should put that eyeshadow on. Mm. But I counted myself out of the race because I thought, well, I don't, I don't look like that. So I think that I was deeply invested in the appearances, mm. but I wasn't invested in mine. Because you sort of decided that it wasn't for you. It wasn't. You weren't ever going to be a great beauty. No. Therefore so I thought I can yeah. help people, yes. but I'm never going to be a great beauty. You sort of made yourself the lady's maid rather, yeah. than, the, rather than the debutante. Exactly. And that came sort of to be my character as well as mm. I got older. Um, so going into sort of slightly later childhood, mm. um, I know that um, you, your aunt died. Yeah. Aunt, your, it was your aunt Sonia. My aunt Sonia. So my mum's sister, um, who was older than her and had cancer. And the thing about that was it was a very awful drawn out process. I mean, this was in the early 90s and cancer was not really yeah. spoken about that much. And I was the first person I knew in my school year who ever had had 
who'd known anyone who'd ever had cancer, yeah. which is extraordinary because that wouldn't happen now. Yeah, but I suppose at 10, yeah, also children, I think, are very often sheltered from illness and things like that. And maybe yeah. your family were less into that, protecting the children and more realistic yeah. with you. Yeah, the things I saw then, I shouldn't have seen. I saw her very, very ill. I loved her enormously, but mm. I really saw her die. And I think two things happened to me at that point. One, I had a significant trauma that I didn't know how to deal with. And also, like, we'd had a very... Um, I don't want to say sheltered childhood because it wasn't, but very um, divorced from reality. Like if we mm. wanted new clothes, we had it. If we wanted a holiday, we had it. You know, there yeah. was, nothing bad befell us. That couldn't that, be... Isn't that quite classic of being second generation to a parent who's come over and worked very hard and made money yeah. because you want your children to have everything that you didn't have. Yeah, we've had this. this yeah. yeah, yeah. Rebecca and I often speak about yeah. this um, because we, we both have parents who've worked hard and yes. then have gone... And both yeah. have parents who, who didn't have everything financially. Yeah. Um, I remember my dad talking about his school shoes were inherited from his dead uncle. Um, and he had to slit the backs open because his feet were too big for them and so when it came to us my brother started at the same school as my dad and my dad bought him Gucci loafers yeah yeah yeah, because, yeah. and that, he wasn't really buying them for my brother he was yeah. buying them for his for 15 his, year old for self and I think it's the same thing it's so sad isn't it I mean my my mum and dad both my mum used to have to walk to school sometimes in her in two pairs of thick socks in the snow because they can yeah, yeah. like those things so partly I think my mum's fashion mad because of that you know yes. so she buys because you're overcorrecting yeah, the sort exactly of yeah yeah yeah. yeah and this is the thing so we had you know lots of material yes. things and then suddenly I wasn't sheltered from this and it was a rude awakening and I had that that agony but also um I had this sudden realization that health is everything like I yes. hadn't previously had really valued health and suddenly I was like Shit, like, if you're really, really ill, nothing matters. Yeah. You, I mean, she was in this beautiful house with this gorgeous view and, you know, like, everything you could possibly want, and yet she was dying. So I think that that, to me, was really, really massively important. And actually, so I, I the one memory I have of the pre-funeral bit was that I had these nail polishes. They were spectacular nail polishes. It's part of, like, my thing. I found that I was... um I was very dexterous and quite good at putting on nail polish. I didn't struggle with getting it Which children is unusual, actually. I think most children are really, really bad at painting their nails. Well, I used to be... Well, I, I remember when my aunt had pain that she thought was just, um, like, muscular aches and actually was a cancer, she used to ask me to give her a massage. And I was very... I used to spend all of Christmas Day setting up a massage parlour. So oh, I was always a little bit yes. like a... Um, like an... Uh, you know, like a clinician... Not clinician, yeah. an aesthetician. Like, I, I like doing that. I'd always give people facials. Mm. So I had all of these polishes. But yeah, I was I was good at it. I didn't struggle with it. Same with makeup. Like, if someone needed makeup done, I just, I just could do it. It wasn't yeah. something that I, like ever thought oh how does someone i just could do it mm. um so it didn't feel like a skill to me yeah. because i thought well i haven't learned this haven't yeah because you never I, value the things that you're not yeah, really good at i just thought i could just do that yeah. um and i yeah and i had these two nail polishes and one was black and one they were both spectacular one was onyx one was onyx sparkle and that was the big thought in my head so i remember clinging to Who, beauty you made them i have no idea but they were called spectacular they sold spectacular them at my school onyx. and I, yeah and i used to they were all called spectacular and i had it must have been at least 65 and I'd buy like two a week and I wanted wow. all the colours. They sold them at your school? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, at I the top shop. It was so bizarre. That's like, funny. I didn't really know. And I can still picture them now and I used to go to my friend Cara's house and I would I would get them out in a line and get people to choose what colour they were. I mean, like I was, I wanted to be sort of servile in that way and I mm. think that I felt like But then I that think, was, yeah. my, my thing about that has always been if you put yourself, like for me it's cooking, mm. if you put yourself in a servile role, you have a place. Yes. Like you know where you're supposed to be yeah, standing yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. never there with it's actually spelled like that with smoking if you're standing outside waiting for something with a cigarette nobody questions it if you're standing there yeah, with your hands yeah. you, you look weird and if yeah. it's giving yourself a sort of purpose yeah and having a, and i also yeah absolutely god i hadn't thought that until now but that <laughs> but i was doing that my whole life i wanted to have a reason mm. to be somewhere yeah yeah 
Um, and then um, yeah. you're still you're still relatively chubby. Chubby, or yeah, you... I'm chubby. I'm still very chubby. And you're dark um, haired, which I find and I'm really haired. hard to imagine because I've only ever known you quite blonde. People used to say I had um, auburn hair because it had a quite reddish right, tint. Right, okay. Um, which but is yeah, very unfashionable. Very unfashionable. Yes. But then, you see, <laughs> then the big shift in my life came. And I found the Victorians. And in the Victorian era, pale skin and dark hair, yeah. like auburn hair, was really popular. So I suddenly thought, aha, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not that anomalous. Maybe I can be, uh, you know, pretty in some way, just not in the way that... Yeah, maybe these, I'm born in the wrong time. These people are pretty, yeah. yeah. And I ploughed my energies. And this is around the time that I started to have this dawning realisation that telling stories or writing was something that I could also do or mm-hmm. liked doing. And I started to think, oh, okay. So I was reading like, you know, I was reading ridiculous books because I was a complete ponce and I was basically picking up like Wild and what Hardy kind of ridic- yeah, what, like- yeah like Oscar Wilde Thomas Hardy and I how like- old are you so what 11 14, 12, 12 13 12. 13 I'd say yeah. okay so at 13 when I got into this I lost a shed load of weight just mm-hmm. through um being a little bit more healthy and I remember saying like oh I'm gonna lose some weight and it was just quite easy like yeah. I think my body was desperately fighting the yeah. fat and I got quite slim and suddenly I remember wanting to be curvier because I thought wouldn't I look better in a corset with big yes. boobs and I've never had big boobs I mean I'm I used to wear chicken fillets at school because I wanted to look like I had big boobs mm. now I've accepted I don't and actually now I quite it's, well it suits your body well right? yeah and I kind of love my small and boobs also now clothes, I hated them clothes are better for, for small well this boobs. is I've, and also fashion now is better but in the yes. 90s not like in the 90s mm. fashion was not made for small boobs yes. actually it was a big boob tubes time. and, and yeah. strap tops and like and... kind of yeah everyone wanted bigger boobs it was yeah. it was a thing and so I found this thing but then I had this awful god 14 was a bloody awful age for me basically i've written down this note that's saying spots and i mean i can't tell you how bad those spots were but they were like they just took over my forehead i used to sit all above your eyebrows or all over your face mostly mostly on my forehead but they would move around and but my thing was that i would pick them i think i would have been fine i had i had skin that was when i was 13 i had skin that was so perfect and i know that all kids have perfect skin but it was like luminous oh it was just like if i could have that again wow but no i picked and Mm. i'm still a picker slightly less so but i would pick my spots and i remember like i'd sit there and i'd put rimmel conceal the spot in them and sometimes they'd like weep and i would just like or you get a nice open wound and then you fill it up with concealer and then let it dry over the top so you've got sort of nice crusty pants it's disgusting yeah it's disgusting beautiful and i used to sit there and then i needed braces but also around this time i started having panic attacks which was unsurprising given like the myriad things that i sort of i'd seen and like what was going on in my head but I started to get really panicky and I needed to get a retain, uh, needed to get a brace fitted. Um, but I went down to have the mold done and the woman who did the mold overfilled the mold to take my teeth, shoved oh. it in my mouth, walked out the room and I started heaving. And I already was funny about being sick, mm. but this compounded it in my head. And I was trying to take the mold out of my mouth, but it was still wet. Is, so the, is this the stuff that is a sort of green putty? Yeah. In a, and it's in a sort of gum guard and they yes. shove it in and when they pull it out, it feels yeah. like your teeth are going to come out. Yes. And it is... Don't mind my teeth coming out, they just want that stuff out of my mouth. But it was quite a traumatic experience, even if they didn't overfill it. But you're yeah. presumably struggling to breathe and... Yes. And that's a huge trigger. I that day in my head, like I I still can feel my emotions. It was hideous. So I didn't get braces. I got them fitted at sixteen, which was actually also a bloody disaster. Did she come back and take it out? Was it all right? She came and took it out. I was heaving. She took it out. My mum, who had this cough, and also I have this fear of coughing, and my mum was coughing coughing the whole yeah. But mum was coughing the whole time. She had this terrible cold, and just the coughing and this heaving and. I mean, like, mm. the whole thing. And there was no one there. And, yeah, she took it out. And I went home and I said to mum, no way am I getting braces. And mum said, you have to. Your teeth are crooked. And it was very much like, mm. you must look as good as you can look. Yeah. That was always, you, you know. You're doing the wrong thing you, if you don't strive. You are wrong. And I remember going, just saying, 
absolutely, I cannot do it, absolutely not. Mm. And so I kind of had these crooked teeth. I was, I wasn't slim, I wasn't fat, but I definitely wasn't mm. slim. And then I had this dark hair, this acne, and I was just oh, in a horrible state, and I was panicking all the time. And this is, and this is also the beginning of the emetophobia, which yeah. is something that we've talked that you've talked about quite a lot on your blog. Yeah, something you've been very open about. Because actually, I notice now more and more people I meet have have emetophobia. Emetophobia is hugely common. Yeah. I had no idea. But, but when, even yeah. when I first met you, you you were one of the only people I'd ever met who had it. It's only yeah, in the last bizarre. couple of years. Yeah, it's really strange. And I remember I used to go horse riding, and I had my doctor had given me something called stemetil, which is an I think it's slightly anti-emetic, but it also is given to people who have migraines or something mm. like that. But he gave me this bottle of it and it was a glass bottle and I used to carry it everywhere. I mean, like, I was 14 or 13 I'd be carrying this bottle everywhere. I think I was 14. And I used to go horse riding and it was, his name was Mr. Silverman. He was a very nice man, but I mean, like, God, he was like 70 and thought that I was bonkers because he'd yes. never seen anything like it. And I used to say, I can't get on the horse without this bottle. I will not canter without yes. this bottle. And he'd say, you can't have it because if you fall, it's glass, it will shatter, yeah. you will be injured. So he used to have to carry it in his, like, gilet. And I'd see the top sticking out and I'd look for him. And I'd think, okay, if I, I mean, realistically, this medication would not stop me from heaving. But I used to think if I can get to him, if I need then to I heave. I know it's there. I know it's there. Yeah. And I always had this with water. I, to this day, still have water in my handbag and schnapps because yeah. both of them kind of burn and soothe the throat. Schnapps. I so, don't so have don't it. Drink, I don't drink it. But, I just but, have but it. That's so interesting to you because you don't and you really don't drink. No. Um, and you don't miss drinking. No. But you have the schnapps there because you know and so if the two things if it came to a head if you yeah. drink schnapps rather than be sick. When I'm in the full panic mode mm. I will almost do anything to get rid of it. Yeah. That's really interesting because you so deeply don't miss no. you don't like drinking. That Yeah. But for me often drinking was a way to get away from my panic. Yeah, and get away from yeah. that that sense, and also in my throat, it's a very throatal feeling yes. for me. So I like burning my throat. Yeah. I was always at hot drinks as well. Yes. Like if I had, if I could have a hot drink, like in a second, like you know, yes. like a witch or wizard, that would be the probably my power. I would yes. want to have a hot. So drink. If you could have one power, it would be to have <laughs> a hot beverage. The click of a finger. Yeah, because sometimes you really need it. But like for I my mean, panic, it's very <laughs> sad that you have that as your so one wish. Sad. I guess yeah. probably a good. Thing. Maybe I'd also see people naked or something fun on the side. But yeah, yeah, but the hot drink. Yeah, um, I it's inter- it's really interesting your sort of love of Victorians because I feel like when you talk about it, you sort of do have that like slightly le- that nervous Victorian young woman. They would have called you. Yeah. They would have said you had sort of hysteria. And it does, oh yes, you, yes, it's yeah. quite a classic sort of Victorian. Yeah, type. from my room. Yes, yes exactly. yeah. No, it is, and also I think to some extent. I mean, I know the Victoria. I mean, I know it looked like hysteria doesn't come from the womb, etc. But because I ha- I've got PCOS, and because I always had quite intense or painful periods. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of my... I thought that a lot of my stuff was to do with my brain. And it yes. is. But I also was eating the wrong stuff, doing yeah. the wrong stuff. And actually, since I've understood that, yeah. my emotions... Uh, and with the help of a psychiatrist, so I can't just put it it's down a combination to eating. But, of factors, but yeah. yeah, but I've, I've, I've sort of sorted a lot of that out. And actually... Because yeah. you I stopped feeling... eating meat, didn't you? That's one yeah. of the first things you did to kind of help heal your body. Yeah, yeah, I did stop eating meat and that really that helped enormously. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Cause that, that's because with, um, with PCOS, you've already got a hormonal imbalance. Yeah. So ingesting more hormones via meat is bad for your body. Yes, and I feel the same about um, milk. I mean, like I, I have goats and sheep's milk and I yeah. have some cow's milk because, I mean, I live in London and I'm busy yeah but but you would never you would never drink a glass of milk and no strive no. to avoid i would strive to avoid it precisely yeah and and i think that also with with water from a tap again i'm careful i have it sometimes yeah. i don't have it all the time you know so yeah. it's it's hard. You, was it you who told me about apparently the reason that's bad is because everyone's on the pill yeah and everyone's wee goes yeah in the water i was reading milk. this yeah it's a study it's horrible so 
Yeah, apparently because everyone's on the pill, the the water in England is basically full of hormones. Yeah. So you can't. So hormones are one of the things that if they're slightly imbalanced, you just want to get them yeah. sorted. So yeah, so that's the purpose kind of, of recording. Madeline, yes. Madeline is drinking a glass of tap water. I am that I gave her. <laughs> so she's being very brave. I about feel a bit it. like that bit in Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> <laughs> they get pinkly water. I'm like, damn, bottoms up. <laughs> The next really big change in your life is yeah. that so you went to a boarding went to school. A, so but before boarding school you were yeah. like a normal is it a girls school I was at an all girls school and also I did not feel like my people were there. I yes. had a few friends. Is it quite a print was it quite princessy? It was somewhere between princessy and really boff. Okay. So like it was quite an academic school, but also quite a lot of wealthy people there. And I just felt they just weren't my people. They yeah. were nice. And like, I see, you know, I see some of them since. And I have a few friends from there, don't get me wrong. Mm. But I didn't... But they weren't your... You hadn't no. found where you belonged. Well, I was deeply weird. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted... But also I was quite academic, but not in a... Not in the, I just do exams way. I was it's, always... It's, but, yeah. There's something so weird about being a teenager. You're, you either have to be into, like, getting fingered mm. or doing a sport mm-hmm. or or studying really hard but you're not allowed yeah. to be sort of casually intelligent in the way that you suddenly can be as an adult no but also no there were uh, to put this on recording it's so embarrassing there were no boys at all yes. at all at all in our life i remember um so in the interview with dolly um earlier on in the series i spoke to her about boys and she was like oh well cause she grew up in stammer which is where i grew up and she said oh well there were no boys but we used to talk on msn messenger and then like we'd find someone that wasn't around yeah. when I was younger. But also, so, uh, when I when I listened to Dolly's, I was thinking, her. where were you finding these boys? But that's, because yeah. I'm I'm three years young, younger than her. And oh, I, and, and same thing. Like okay. no, no boys. I didn't know. We would I would start school in September, mm-hmm. and none of the male teachers would be attractive. And by Christmas, I fancied them all because I hadn't seen anything. My friend Jenna and I used to be. So she went to the school with me, and then she went to boarding school with me. Right. And we were very close because both of us felt like we didn't quite fit mm. in this place. And there were two boys that we fancied, right? And and her boy fancied her. And actually, she also kissed my one, and I'm going to keep that in the recording. That's um, horrid of her. It is horrid very of her. Very bad. <laughs> but she, both of them fancied her, and neither of them fancied me. Oh, and I, my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember just desperately chasing this man, and also because I was deeply obsessed with Elvis from when I was about 15, 16. And Quite still, a weird child, actually. Yeah, I was a very strange child. Yeah. Yeah. And that's coming from me. They both fancied Jenna. No one fancied me. The one that I fancied, oh my God, he was really good. He's still really damn good looking. And he looked a little bit like Elvis. And I just thought oh, he was well, just unbelievable. But yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could have said to him, I mean, I, God, if, if he'd have literally wanted to kiss me like, it, and then go off two seconds later and told me that, I'd have said yes. But yes. no, he wasn't having it. He wasn't interested. So it was a quite weird, isolated, and almost like mm. a Victorian chaste childhood. I was like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go to parties with boys. I didn't know any boys. Yeah. The only one that I ever wanted used to run away from me. So then I went to boarding so, school. You, no, you chose to go to boarding school. I did. Right, it was your idea. Oh, I was desperate to go. Yeah, I, I had this idea that it would be a little bit like a Victorian novel. Of course. And that I would be in some sort of fancy library reading, yeah, reading Oscar Wilde and mm-hmm. just being genius. Yes. And then I got there and suddenly, well, there were boys everywhere. And none of them wanted me predictably by this point i had braces that had i'm not joking train tracks top and bottom with rubber elastic bands between them and if i ate anything red they would take the color of whatever i ate and like a mouthful of metal and rubber i was very pale i used to whiten my skin to look more victorian Mm -hmm. so i had whitened skin I had terrible acne under How my white skin. How did you whiten your skin? Shu Amura used to make a whitening lotion. They probably still do. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I got it from Space NK, which was my not aimed at you. I mean, not. I mean, I think it was just for like Asian women who had hyperpigmentation, and and everyone at my school had skirts that started their waist and went all the way to the floor, and the longer the cooler, they went to drag on the floor. I went for some reason to the shop with my mum, and I got one that was ankle length. And, oh no! Uh, and these big bell shoes. I'm, I've always been terrible at picking shoes. I still am. It's my total blind spot with aesthetics. Really? That's I cannot pick. Are awful, awful. I mean, I can now because I look more on Instagram to learn. Yes. But I don't have a natural affinity with Easy. shoes at all. Um, so I had no idea of what shoes to wear with it. And I looked awful. I mean, I got like no one fancied me. I remember conning someone. I mean, I say conning someone who's kissing me. He sort of led me onto the rugby pitch and kissed me. And I, I mean, I. You know, I just let him. Like yes. it was like he could have been Frank. Fuck someone. I know he could have been Frankenstein. I'd have but kissed also, him. I remember you writing a blog post about mm. um, the sort of correlation between the times you've looked worst and felt best. Yeah, and 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 you said so. I remember you saying you looked in your in your mirror on your first day and you were so yeah. glad to be there, but you were so like not pleased with what you saw. No, it was. Well, I think also I suddenly realised it was wrong. Like, I mean, I know there's no right or wrong, but I suddenly thought, what am I doing? I, I could look like everybody else I if I tried. I could look like these people. Yeah, and no one fancied me. So, and also, okay, so then there was this guy there. It was always about boys. For like three years, my life's yes. about boys. Actually, I say for three, it's three about eight from now on. Yeah. <laughs> but I met this boy there and he was beautiful, like blue-eyed, blonde-haired, very tall, like just this kind of hunky, huge mm mountain of a man and I really fancied him he didn't fancy me he fancied my friend Anushka of course because she's gorgeous and I had a mouthful of metal and was fat and white <laughs> and dark head and it wasn't very surprising and then um over the course of a year I suddenly like in my head learned what looking good was and in my second year in my second term I shared a room with Anushka this gorgeous mm. girl who I'm still friends with but like she is a German girl she is ludicrously like slim and toned brown and oh god she's just insanely good looking did you learn from her no i didn't but i shared a room with her and i used to i used to take my makeup off after she turned the lights off so that she would oh. never see me without makeup on oh, because my skin you. was so bad i and thought I, she would have cared oh no 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 i think she would oh, really? no 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 but not in a mean way no she would have been like what is that we must sort this out <laughs> i'll find you dermatologist i will help you but i could not bear the idea of like my skin was in such bad shape i actually went around this stage and found and had my first facial a space in k it was an evelon facial i remember them pouring this wax onto your face taking it off section by section squeezing out spots and it was the first time i thought skincare oh great skincare's great i'll i'll do something with that when you look you at that, the wrong shit but yeah when you, you know, so when you when yeah. you look back on that facial do you think was it a good facial or was it not good it was a good facial. I wouldn't have it now. Okay. Um, but I think it was a bit. It was a bit intense for my skin, and maybe also like it didn't give me the tools. Like they they armed me with that Evelyn cleanser afterwards, which is full the of very oily one that yeah. you take on with like a hot polishing cloth. Yeah, yeah. and disastrous for my which skin. Would, which for me is really good because I have very dry skin, but which for yours, fine. Not good. but for mine, not good. And I think also I had no. I felt so dirty and gross because of my acne. Mm. I felt disgusting. I was using whatever. They, I also used initially clean and clear the blue stuff. Then I used a Clinique toning lotion that's purple really and i would use it like stuff. six times a day but then do you think that's something about being a teenager because i remember having this obsession with being squeaky clean mm. like you wanted i wanted to scrub my skin and scrub my scalp and i wanted my whole head to feel like tight and dry because yeah. that meant clean that's what i did with my gums which is why i've got receding yes, bloody gums now brush because i brushed them ridiculously hard because i like them to be white but also like my thing was always um rather than adorning myself which i did come to and mm. i did like to adore i wore makeup and you know i colored my hair and stuff um uh, by the way around this time i started dyeing my hair blonder as well right so that was a so did you have your shift. first set of highlights i had my first set of highlights god i think i went to mahogany where's that on 
next to Condé Nast. It's on, I can't remember. Oh, yes, road. I know. But I spent, like, a lot of money. Just quickly yes. on the evil on, fa- on Go on, yeah. On, on yeah, the yeah, the facial, yeah. So how long did it take you? Because you now have a very close relationship with, is it Pam? Pam at Mortimer Milk. Milk, yeah. And you go there, and she's I, sort of your, your yeah, go-to my gal. guru, yeah. Um, how long did it take you to find a facialist who you really connected with, who you go back to again and again? Pam, really. So what's that? So about 15 years. <laughs> 15 years. I mean, I had, I've had, it must be thousands of facials. And must some, be some of thousands. them great. Some, some of them awful. were hideous. Some were brilliant. I love Nicola Joss. Mm-hmm. Like I think she's fantastic. Um, I I've had good facials. I have to say though, what I haven't found. I like Natalia Robinson too, but what I didn't find was someone who could solve my skin. Mm. There were times that I'd look in the mirror at daylight, look in the mirror at my naked skin. And I wouldn't cry because I wasn't particularly weepy, but I would think this is so grotesque. I would have scabs, spots, scars, everything. And I think if you haven't had, so my sister had really bad, proper, proper acne. Mm. I have had about nine spots in my life. Mm. Um, but I was a very fat child. So, okay. you know, it all balanced You have out. something. Um, <laughs> I have the fat and the spots, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if you haven't had bad skin, it's impossible to understand. Yeah. I really don't think that you can comprehend what it does to your self-esteem. It, like, I... Even now, there's someone who still has some spots, but not anywhere near as many. I can, and also, I used to get them on my chest and top of yeah, my back. Yeah, and that's also mortifying. If you're not starting oh. to get to the stage of wanting to take your clothes off in front of people, and you're worried they're going to see your spot. And again, I don't think teenage boys really care, but... But you can feel them too. They're yeah. bumpy. I mean, this is the thing. Everything about it made me feel grotesque. I felt, at some point, during that time, like, like a gargoyle. And I went to the doctor at rugby, actually, when I was about 16 and a half after this facial, but I was the skincare wasn't working. Yeah. And they gave me... Benozidryl peroxide. Is that the stuff that comes in a sort of... It like, looks like a magic marker. It yes. a blue felt top. How do you know that? Because my yeah. sister had it. Okay, fine. And it's, yeah. A, worrying that in between... Because she's, she's what? She's 10 years younger than you. Yeah. So clean yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you rub it on your face. Yeah. And it smells. There's got a really oh, weird awful. smell to it. Yeah, and it's like kind of oily. And if you get it in your mouth, which I did loads of times, so I don't know how. But I would, I would put it all over my face. And again... I wasn't someone, the doctor said, use it once a day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, it works so well. I yeah. used it three times a day, thinned my skin out, damaged it. I also, mm. at the time, was sunbathing a lot because of being tanned. Yeah. So my thin skin that was stripped was being damaged relentlessly. Yeah. So I now have to have extremely, like, clinical facials yeah. to undo the damage. But I was really stripping my skin. But it worked. So from about 17, suddenly, I went from being, like, my braces came off. I'd lost some weight. I was dyeing my hair blonde. You come out of your... Um, out of your I came out of that time, So yeah. tell me, t- what, what was a Madeleine Spence, or what, Madeleine Friedman at the time? Madeleine Friedman at the time. What was a Madeleine Friedman face of beauty like when you're, call it seven, eight, seventeen, okay. eighteen? it was NARS South Beach. What's that? It is a NARS multiple. And at the time it was every, my God, it was everything. Having that product was like a What, what a was it thing. though? What is it like? It's a highlighter stick. Right. NARS make them. And they make also Copacabana. Oh, I've got Copacabana. Copacabana. I still use it. I've got the pink one as well. It's nice. But Copacabana was the one. Yes. And also on collarbones. Um, Rimmel eyeliner, 2,000 calorie mascara by Max Factor. So much mascara, so much eyeliner. Cannot Did hand- you like waterline, like line your waterline? Line the waterline, line on top, smudge it a little bit. Kate Middleton style. Yeah, pluck off all, almost all my eyebrows. They were yeah. almost gone. So I didn't bother with them. I think I brushed them up because I always, I say I didn't bother with them. I was actually obsessed with eyebrows. But at the time, I wanted them thin. So the I used eyebrows to- were not. Yeah, you didn't they weren't want brow. big. Yeah. You didn't want big brows. And I'm ludicrously hairy, so I had to pluck. Mm. That was constant maintenance as well. Then I would use Stiller Kitten Eyeshadow, which I heard Kylie Minogue used. 
So what that's the thing. That? It's like a champagne. They still make it. I still use it. It's quite nice, actually. It's gorgeous. It would yeah. look great on you. It's really, really nice. In fact, it looks good on everyone. It's like a champagne colour. And then Kiss Eve Long Kiss Mix on lips. And what colour is that? It's like a slightly white tinted lip balm. Oh, On nice. some days I'd wear Carmex because Kiss Mix was expensive. Yeah. Carmex on like Mondays to con- Wednesdays. <laughs> did you ever do the concealer on your lips thing? I did a little bit later on in like 2004. Yeah. In 2004, I basically found this look that sort of worked for me. And then I just ramped it up a notch until I started to look basically really trashy. Like it was more eyeliner, whiter lips, yeah. darker skin. Yeah. And and I, I kept nice. cranking it up a notch, yeah. basically, and it became revolting. But in yeah. its infancy, it looked quite good yeah. and I quite fresh. It sounds like quite a nice, I mean, obviously it was quite, its time, but it sounds like quite a nice look. Yeah, quite nice. I might do a bit more naturally to, oh, yeah. today, but it was it was nice at the time, yeah. And also around that time, I should probably mention um, the great love of my life. I met um, <laughs> Oliver, who's one of my best friends, and we instantly connected over um, Kylie, because I was wearing this leather from Joseph, actually. It was God, my fanciest. Joseph. Yeah, my fanciest thing. Leather bike jacket with nothing underneath. I didn't have the figure to wear it. Like, I was kind of bulging out. But I did it up anyway. Wait, you wore nothing underneath. Literally the... nothing. And it unzipped to here and that I had That is hit a temperature tape. control nightmare. You're going to be too hot or too cold all the time. I spent... 15 years of my life being too hot, too cold, and didn't that give a is, shit. Honestly, I cannot imagine wanting to be that uncomfortable. I was obsessed but with it. it does just, sound very cool. I just had this vision, yes. you know, like of what things yes. should look like. So basically, I wore this undone, unzipped, tip tape, and he came over to me and was like, I saw Kylie wearing something like that. I can't even remember what it was on. And I was like, you and me, we are made for each other. <laughs> and that's where you met your soulmate. And that's where I met my soulmate. And then from then on, it was like, I, I sort of referred to him as William Baker, who's Kylie's, um, I swear, Kylie's um, stylist person. I see. Um, and because he used to basically tell me what to wear and he would wear bloody hell. We'd go to bar, which was our Saturday night thing. And he'd wear mm, um, thick masking tape. What's it called? Um, you know, black. Like duct tape. Duct tape. Thank you. Duct tape made into a corset. And once oh he had detention, God. he was awful. He, on his report, he got called idle, devious, and deceitful. He is all those things. And, um, <laughs> oh, and, what a... Oh, oh he's he, needs to write his, he needs to write a book. I mean, yeah, he, he should. He should. He is hilarious. And he wore this duct tape all the way around to, to the point where he couldn't breathe. He was like a Victorian in a corset. How did you get it off? Oh, he'd rip it off. He, he would off. suffer for his beauty. Soaking, no, he would no, rip. No, no, no. He'd rip. Have a um, drink that He was hurt. fine. But what happened is he went to detention and then he was he was snuck into bar. But during detention, because you had to sit down and the way that your body Ooh. tries to move, he basically almost lost consciousness. And then <laughs> made it into bar. Was like, I'm here. And it was fantastic. But together we were basically, we just became so naughty. Yes. And then I met this boy that I like, fell fully in love with. And that was kind of a big, big moment of my life. And... Ollie and I just were like two naughty kids, like constantly trying to like bump into the object of my affection and, <laughs> and just run around. And, and yeah, so at that point, I was dyeing my hair blonde. GHDs had just come out, so I was straightening Ooh. it. And did you have the thick plates or the thin plates? I had the thick plates. Yeah, I had the thick plates. And I always thought they were much better, but it was cooler at my school. All the really cool girls had the thin ones. Did they? And there was a little bit of a snobbery about like, oh, you've got those ones. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, but you know, I think, but mine was slightly before yours. I think that for us, it was like if you had them at all. Yes, it was cool. Yeah, because yes. people, some people had the Babyliss ones. Fine. But GHD. My school Babyliss was not fine. If you, oh. you, might, you might as well just not come in. No, 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 no. But you Mortifying. couldn't. But having them on, I used to go to Jenna's room actually to use her GHDs. And that was like, I'd be yes. like, what time are you using the GHDs? Yeah. Oh, the other thing I do at school is because I st- people started to realise that I was I had makeup skills, is that they would come round on Saturday night and Thursday night and I'd do their makeup before bar. Which is a very good way of ingratiating. It's going, I've, it's going yeah. back to that thing about casting yourself it, in the. Well, exactly. Role. And I wasn't especially cool. Well, no, all right, let's not lie. I wasn't cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> Until they realised you could I do makeup. Cool at all. But I would do people's makeup. And also because 
I always like I always like the one-on-one friendship. I've never been into group things. No, um, I hate group things. I hate group things. I never fit into a group in my life. I was always I'm a loner who connects with certain people, and then yes. I go, "Oh, you're you're my person. I love you." Yes. And so I just did that basically. And I think that so I used to you know talk to someone, and it would be like someone who was you know considered to be hot who's going out someone on the mm. rugby team, and I'd get on really well with them. And I think person to person we're great, but I'm just not in your group yes, because I can't I'm a loser. Be in your sphere. I can't be in your sphere. That's not who I am. Um, but you know I sort of and initially that used to really bother me and then this this boy that I liked he was he was actually a rugby player and we ended up kind of going out on and off and he was actually really good for my confidence and I suddenly felt like I was oh okay like I'm not so hideous and also like Mm. I have you know my skin is under control my hair it made a massive difference to me actually to the beginning to end of that journey also um I used to smell all the time of ghost the perfume by the way that was my thing now was that the one that smelled a bit like baked goo sort of like slightly vanilla-y very vanilla-y but I don't there's something in it I still can't I don't know what the note is, but I just love it. I still love it. I love it. It's one, I, had, I had an au pair who wore it. Oh, yeah. And she had white leather cowboy boots and boys wanted, <laughs> and boys wanted to sleep with her. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And when she left, she left me the, the last bit in the bottle. The dreg of and ghosts. it was just... I, I just thought it was the sexiest, coolest smell something the about world. that smell. My sister used to wear Jean-Paul Gaultier, um, the original, which was just such a kind of... Is that the one in the stripe? In the, in the torso yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tors- no stripes. It was just a plain torso oh, body. Know, like yes, the original yeah, yeah. one. And I loved that too, but this was just... It was just my smell, and I wore it all the time, and it just... But so much of it, I used to get to the bottle like every month. I've never had any sense of proportion with things. Like, no. I, like with the eyeliner, if I'm doing it, blah, 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 more, more, Well, more, if more. one bit is good, then ten bits must be better. Exactly. And yeah. I wanted I wanted to leave that smell everywhere I went. I wanted yes. to be the person who left the smell but in the room. I think that's because you read about women having, like, a signature scent yeah. that everyone associates with them. Exactly, yeah. So it was quite hard. And so from then... Basically, from then on, like, I, I had that look, and it was almost then I was trying to hold on to the feeling of that yes so i crank i dyed my hair black over i always dyed my hair changed my hair a lot during my life i, I get very bored of that and i also love transformation yes. so i love that element of things so you leave school I left school and then you take a gap year i took a gap year yes because so, I, I didn't know what i wanted to do so on your gap year mm. you moved to vienna and mm. you work as an au pair a nanny I worked as a nanny. Yeah. I wanted to be so I wanted to be a writer, but what I thought was I just need to have these interesting stories to collect. Yes, which is actually a fair point. Like it's very hard to be a writer when you're eighteen yeah. because nothing's happened to you. Well that's really. yeah, although I say that now, I've got loads of stories and they haven't actually served me that well as a writer. <laughs> but but you know, I but basically yeah, so I, I thought I'll do that and I also mm. thought maybe I won't go to uni. I, I was never very um married to the idea of having the traditional path. Yes. And being raised by people who didn't do that conventional Yeah. Path. So the conventional was never uh, it just didn't yeah. interest me. So I went off to Vienna, um like I loved it there. I'd, I'd been on a school exchange there. And do you um, speak German? German. So I spoke. German was my first. Oh god, I should have mentioned this. German was my first language, and I, I did not know that. Did you not? No. I had an accent until I was about five or six, which also contributed to feeling <laughs> other. Nothing cuter than a little child with a German accent. There's a video where someone takes mix. I've got to have to find this video. Someone takes mix Easter eggs away, and I say literally like this: I go, "Don't take Michaela's away. Give them back to her." <laughs> Fully German. Like, I mean, I cannot tell you. Do you still speak German? I do, but I think part of me chose English as a way to fit in. Yes. And because I sort of... My my grandma was a great storyteller, so I think the storytelling side of me was there. Mm. And the kind of weaving of tales... But the language to me felt like a like a key to get inside. Yes. And because I'd been laughed at for having a German accent, and because yeah. I'd been teased for not being able to pronounce things, and because I felt weird for going into places and being like, "Hello, can I have a bit of you know?" And and yeah. it's fine. It was fine for my parents because they were grown ups. But I was a kid. All yeah. I wanted was to have a name like Lucy. I think also, and, genuinely, you, know, you should not underestimate that in the mid eighties, we're only what forty years post war. There's still a lot of people in living in this country who remember it very. I'm vividly. so glad you. Yes, I'm. So 
so glad you've said this because it's a really hard thing to say. It was constantly there, yeah. dialed down. And things like, oh, German and oh, Austrian culture. And there were mm. these comments made. And because my dad had an Austrian restaurant, my dad was Hungarian as well. Yeah. And Hungary was considered to be like a third world country then. Like people yes, go to Budapest now, but... Yeah. I mean, in the 80s, it's it was a very, like, very different thing now, isn't it? It was, a, it was a place that no one had ever been. And they would think, oh, so like, are you a gypsy? And I was yeah. like, well, I probably am a bit gypsy. But it was, it all felt a little bit murky. So I think mm. for me, English was, if I can master that, if yeah. I can sound I'll English, clean and, and I'll be, like yeah, I can else. whitewash myself, yes, effectively. Exactly. And, um, and so, yeah, I had a German accent then. And I was, I do speak German. Um, not that well, because I assiduously moved away from mm. it. My brother is very, very good German speaker. Um, but I chose English. Mm. And, um, oh, I was very bad at languages. Have I told you? I've told you this, but I'll, I'll tell everyone here. So I was really bad at languages, but I mean, I, I know German because I speak it because yeah. of my family. But when I was learning French, I did my French oral exam. I was <laughs> terribly <laughs> bad at French. And I was so bad at it that all the language flew out of my head. I had to learn like each sentence like by rote. Like I had to learn mm. it as if you were learning like an equation. There was no sense of like me assimilating the language yes. it wasn't going to happen and I started speaking French she said um, where did you go in your holiday and I went this is in your exam in my exam in my oral yeah. exam and she said where did you go in your holidays and the tape recorder was running and I went oh dans mes vacances and then nothing absolutely nothing totally blank and I spoke for like three minutes in English with a French accent like I went to France <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and her face I've never seen anything like it they mentioned it in school assembly and it was <gasps> no that's so cruel they said it was a very memorable lot of GCSEs one girl spoke in English with a French accent and all my that friends is, were like it was you that is beastly <laughs> it was that's awful awful Awful, awful, awful. But language is not my thing by nature. Yeah. Like, I couldn't learn them. So, yes, I speak German. But so when yeah. I was in Vienna, though, I was fine. I got by and that was yeah. fine. And I was working as this nanny and, and also getting quite fat again. And I always, I had this battle with my weight until, mm. like, very recently where I have sort of found some peace with myself. But I was putting on weight because I was just eating Topf and Strudel and yeah. walking around the Christmas market and doing all of that. Went back to London. Um, went and saw... Well, okay, so I went to Vienna. Then I went to Australia um, to travel for a little well, bit. You, my sister was out there. Um, mm. One of my favourite stories of all time is that Madeline, who is the biggest hypochondriac ever, uh, managed to get bitten by a natural poisonous spider within, yeah. what, like, a day of getting there or something. Day one, my luggage went missing. Day two, I got... We went to Sydney Botanical Garden, sat outside, and I had these sandals on. I could feel something on my ankle. Felt like it might have been a blade of grass. In England, because, you know, it's never yeah. dangerous, I just flicked it off, and it must have been spider, and I pissed it off a little bit and basically it bit me my legs started to feel numb i was sitting there with my sister who is you think i'm a hypochondriac my sister is i mean she has a book that she used to carry around with her of symptoms <laughs> and um, and my leg just felt really odd like like it was um like the circulation was cut off only it was free and i looked at it and it looked like blood was pouring up my leg and i was like shit something really bad has happened turned to my sister and i was like mick can you look at my leg and it was like red and blood vessels bursting really quickly actually it yeah. looked like blood was trickling and we went up to the bar and the guy was like, oh, you've been bitten by a spider or a snake. And my sister was like, that's very unhelpful. Could you do something? <laughs> we rushed into hospital and I was wearing, oh my God. Okay, so everyone in Sydney is gorgeous from my yeah. recollection. And I went into the hospital and all the doctors were just gorgeous. And they cut my jeans off and I remember being like, I haven't had a bikini wax, I look awful. <laughs> da, 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 da. And I just sat there and they injected, I mean, of course, that's what I was thinking at the time of my imminent death. Yeah. I was like, oh God, <laughs> I'm going to lose the leg, but also I didn't wax. <laughs> also I didn't wax. Please don't think I'm revolting. Gorgeous men. <laughs> And um, and I, I they injected me and it was all fine in the end. Um, I looked quite bizarre. My um, and then the next day, my sister got arrested because we. My parents had said, "Yeah, you can stay um, 
in a hotel on our on the credit card because you know imminent death and all that so yes. they were like enjoy have yourself break. have a nice day in a hotel but someone had been doing fraud on my mum's card and because my mum's austrian with a very thick austrian accent someone phoned her up and said hello um someone's used your card in australia and she misunderstood and thought they said austria so she told them to arrest us the whole thing was a disaster but after that it was very fun and i loved australia yes. and i got my head out so this is also how ridiculous i was and sometimes am you know still, still. But my uncle, Eric, who lives in Australia, so my mum's, one of my mum's brothers lives in Australia, and he gave my sister and I each $100. And because my hair, I dyed it black, but it because of the sun and the swimming, it had gone slightly green. Mm. So I took my $100 and, like, whatever else I could for my savings and went to Valence, which is, a, I think they still have Valence. <laughs> I spent every penny there dyeing my hair. Beautiful caramel hair by the end of it. I was in there for about seven hours. They had to dye it, like, three times. Yeah. The guy was like... Because they're, like, red first, don't they? And then they, yeah. I mean, I... I just sat in this chair for like seven hours. Wow. It was, but I came out and I looked great. My hair was great. And then I went back to London and then I started working in Ad Hoc, which is a shop on the King's Road. Which was, and I, so when I was a teenager, Ad yeah. Hoc was like the only cool place in the entire, <laughs> like if you weren't in Ad Hoc, you might as well be dead. Like it was the only place you ever wanted I mean, to be. If I basically worked there. Yeah. The most ridiculous stuff. Yeah. Like, sort of fishnet arm warmers. Yes. And yeah. Like a fur, and furry headbands and platform shoes and just, and hip flasks. And raw skirts, skirts. In every colour. And just, yeah, and nothing yeah. you need Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I went to Newcastle that September and I'd gone to see this woman who Kate Moss had apparently seen when she wanted to lose weight after having Lila. Mm-hmm. Lila or Lila? Lila. 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 Yeah. Lila, Lila. Grace. Lila Grace. Yeah, Why good. do I know her middle name? Um, That's not normal. It's just, I knew it too, Rebecca. Yeah, You're not alone. <laughs> um, and Lila, had she seen this woman who looked at her tongue and told her what to eat? And I was oh, like, yes. I've got to see this woman. Yeah. Went to see her and she, I, she put me on a detox, but I couldn't. How did you pay for this? Was this like well, a student again, loan thing, or was this a? I didn't pay? have a student loan at that point. I'll tell you what I did with my student loan later. Oh, God. Um, but no, I just had my, like the thing is, I was always savings. also I didn't really drink. I was never really a big drinker yeah. because of Dad's restaurant. I never, I never had to worry about getting my hands on booze. Yeah. So I, I all my money went towards beauty. It went to Space and K, and it went yeah. to like this sort of shit. Like I didn't really, I didn't spend money on anything else and clothes. Like I, all my money went on that sort of yeah. stuff. So all my pocket money, anything, anything I got for Christmas, anything I got for my birthday would just be spent on beauty and so stuff. So you got, went to see this woman. Yeah. You decide that you want to go. So, sorry, just clarify. You're about to start at Newcastle. Yes, I was about to start at Newcastle. But before you go to Newcastle, you decide that the last thing you should do is see Kate Moss's tongue woman. That's right. Cool. That's because that is how my That's mind works. Exactly. That is how my sense. mind works. And I wanted to be in perfect health. So my mm-hmm. health wellness thing was already well yes. entrenched in my character. 
And I thought, well, I need to see this woman. Obviously, she's some guru. She put me on the detox, which she does for two weeks. And then you go back and she looks at your tongue again and gives you your life diet. Yeah. But I can yeah. tell us about what you ate on this detox, Madeline. Well, the the thing I'll say first is that I couldn't afford to go back for the life diet. So <laughs> all I did was go to the detox and it was so effective that Do I... Do you remember how much it was? It was like £210 or something like that. And I couldn't afford to go back the second yes. time. And also because she gave me all these supplements, these homeopathic pills that then I didn't realise cost an additional... She was like, you've got to have this, you've got to have that, you've got to have that. And I left with like 150 and that was like everything. I like maxed out my debit card, which I think had an overdraft of £50. And I had to go back and I was like, oh my God, I can't afford sheets, like books. I, can't, I couldn't afford anything suddenly. I was like, but I have my homeopathic pills, I'll be fine. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all I need. And so I went back. And this detox diet, okay, it's very... I, I, I don't know if I should say... Should I say? Because if... I think it's fine. Okay, this as is a, not... As a trigger warning, don't yeah. do this. It's don't, a very bad idea. Yeah, don't do it and certainly don't do what I did. But basically, it's in the morning, you, as much herbal tea as you want. In the morning, oh, you have... wow, that's generous. Trust me, that became a thing. <laughs> and also chewing gum, which I'm not actually sure she'd have said yes to, but I used to eat about... 10 or 15 packets of chewing gum a day. Because your breath smells when you're not eating anything. Well, not not because of that, because it was something to chew. So I started off with um, a cup of oats with water. And then I learned very quickly that if you put it in the microwave until it was hard, it would be like popcorn. So that was yummy. And it was (laughs) the best thing on the menu. Lunch was a salad and the salad had to be bare and barren. It wasn't like exciting salad. Yeah, not like a lovely salad. No, it was like iceberg lettuce. Uh, You couldn't have tomatoes. You could have... um, God, you couldn't have carrots. No, no, you could have carrots, raw carrots, and you could have cucumber, and you could have, um, like, fennel, like, green stuff. But that was wow. it. And then you had that either with chicken or fish, white chicken or fish. Then in the evening, you had a jacket potato with as much butter as you wanted. That was the other thing that that's, I lived okay, for. Okay, well, that's all right. That, at least, is something. I mean, the butter was amazing. As much butter as you wanted. Um, no oh, salt. extraordinary thing to... Yeah. And then a boiled red onion, whole. Um, and then... And then three kinds of vegetables. And I did that. And unfortunately, I, it was so effective. I lost so much weight. My skin got so clear. I looked amazing. Like, I mean, I have to say, it it was really effective. I mean, I suppose you are getting quite a lot of nutrients I, across the board on that. I think for three or four days, if you're fasting and you want yeah. to just feel a bit better, it's fine. But I carried it on for about three and a half months. Because Ollie tells a story about just remember about you, you yeah. eating, nibbling on, you used to make a sort of biscuit with your oats. Yes. Craving it. I did. It was awful. So at uni, my first three months at Newcastle, um, everyone was going out. I was never into going out. I was never into spending money on booze. Like yeah. I, I didn't do, I didn't do one Freshers' Week. I went to one Freshers' Week thing. I thought it was so hideous. I can't I, imagine you in Freshers' Week. I, I found it so awful. I just stood there being like, "This is I mean, hideous." I, I couldn't bear it. So I sat in my room. I bought all my food at M and S because I could afford to because I wasn't going out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was stupid because I was always. But I had no money. All my money went on food and stuff like that. It was ridiculous. I spent I mean, all my money in the Harvey Nichols in Bristol. I used to get my money in. Yeah, and then we'd go to brunch and then we'd go out for lunch mm-hmm. and we used to eat truffle. We used to go to Jamie's Italian. Yeah. share a truffle fries. And a bottle of and a bottle of prosecco, and then go down to the to the shopping bit in Bristol and go to Harvey Nichols. But we'd do that for a week, and then we would just live off water in stock cubes mixed in yeah. hot water. But I could do that. Like it was like I didn't need like yeah. anything. This was fine. This this, this that to me was a perfectly great yeah. existence. I used to read my books at night. Mm. I yeah, I was fine. But I hated Newcastle. You, so I found dro- it depressing. Yeah. So, you so left- I left Newcastle. Yeah, I was doing um, English and philosophy, and I wanted to just do English. And it turns out. Both they they'd overlapped it. It wasn't it wasn't a very good course. Actually, I think they were at fault quite a lot because I would have had to have recorded lectures and then written them up and done the coursework. So it was like doing two 
Oh, no, that's not. It was not cool. So at the time, I got into this crowd of musicians um, in London who, just through sheer coincidence, someone who's at my school was a um, cellist. And his friend was a horn player, started going out with a horn player and then going down to London every now and then just to see him and um, in his group of friends, basically. Mm. So then I thought, I'll move to London where I've already got this prefab yes. group and I'll go to Queen Mary's in London, I'll do English literature. You treated it a bit like a sort of, like, like people do with an MA. Like you yeah. went in for the lectures, you did the work, yeah. you weren't unfriendly, but it wasn't your whole world. No, but also I was really panicked at the time and I lived in Russell Square, then I lived in Liverpool Street. So um, who did you live with? In Russell Square, I was by myself in a hall of residence. So then two of the musicians, I went on holiday to Greece and then two of the musicians said, oh, by the way, my looks are still the same, I'm still looking the same, I'm oh, still yes, on this battle like with weight. Oh, no, sorry. Just to finish is your both thing. Sorry, really oh, quickly, because yes. I totally left that. I was fasting effectively for three or four months. I couldn't walk. Um, I, that's, like a min, that's a bit of a mini eating disorder, really. It was that's not great. awful. Not but I just got to this thing where I thought, what will I do if I'm not eating like this? Yeah. I didn't know how to come off it. So I just kept going, and I had to crawl in the evening. And then I came off it when I, the musician, the horn player I mentioned, um, I went round to his. He was at the Guildhall. And I went over, and he had these chocolate bars in his room, and I ate nine of them in a row. I love that story. And felt so ill. And and just so ill. And then I just came off it and I put on so much weight so quickly. So it's not advisable because you can't live like no, that. You it, no. It's just terrible. And also, if you are going to do something like that, pay for the second appointment. Go and find out how it, to like, reintroduce Had food. I done it properly, yeah, exactly. It might like, have been all right. I'm I'm sure she's great. Like, I'm yeah. sure it would have been fine. Oh, but I was... Kate Moss's tongue. But no, I was really... I was in really shit condition after mm. that and it just it was awful so I, my weight was going up and down anyway I moved to London I then these musicians um, who I was friends with um, a, a pianist and a um, cellist um, said do you want to live with us in Liverpool Street we're going to get this, this flat this was a brothel this was an ex-brothel so I and also there was a woman there called Mistress Madeleine and there used to be letters arriving for Mistress Madeleine all the time they'd be like it's for you again it would be like someone detailing like that they wanted someone to sit on them or something like that and they, everyone would find it hilarious it's terrifying. Um, I wasn't I, when I said this was the brothel Madeleine I didn't I was, wasn't it wasn't a work I brothel. wasn't a sex worker in the brothel yeah. I was I that would have been great but that's <laughs> not what happened would have been a, another person's story yeah much cooler but yeah then. yeah not me um, but it was above where Jack the Ripper killed someone so um, I had all the tools would stop outside my window so I lived there for a bit and again like you know it was just everything was just continuing you know, and are you still just, studying? I was still studying English Lit yeah, yeah so second year and then third year I moved to Bayswater and this was that summer the sort of biggest switch in I don't say the biggest switch in my life basically I met someone who changed my life quite considerably and who was that? it was a blonde boy who was the friend of the rugby player boy that I was going out with at rugby right and we just fell instantly in love, a very, very heady, crazy, full-on mm. relationship. But the thing he did for me, so we just fancied each other rotten, like right from the off. It was like a chemical, weird thing. And are you still wearing a similar version of the makeup? And yeah. and, and, and are you feeling skinny or are you feeling fat? Because that seems to be I'm, a big theme with no, you. No, I'm feeling moderate. I'm what, feeling so in control. That's the first time... That's the first time I've heard you say that. And how yeah. old you all, what, 22? I was 22. And that's yeah. the first time that you feel neither overweight nor yeah. obsessed with being thin. I'd made a very conscious effort to eat three meals a day mm-hmm. and to stick to that and to have a healthy relationship with food. And it was at this time that I met that boy. Yeah. So I didn't, I was not my thinnest, but I was happy. Yeah. And I was quite balanced. And I met him and 
what happened was on day two or three, um, we very quickly um, started having sex. And then, can I say that on the podcast? Yes, yeah, I think you should. Okay. <laughs> okay. We very quickly started having sex. I never really worried too much about that sort of thing either. Like if I fancied having sex with someone, mm. I would. If I didn't, I wouldn't. Um, and we had sex very quickly. And he said to me, go and, ha- go and have a shower. He, said, he didn't say go and have a shower. I went to have a shower. <laughs> and he said, oh, just have one in my room. And it was one of those shower doors that was like open and you could see in. Mm. And I was like mortified, mortified by it. And I remember being so self-conscious, like showering this way being that like, I thought was yeah. attractive. Yeah, and like, like you're in an advert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly, and, and, and bearing my skin to him, and suddenly he was like, he, he made me feel like I was gorgeous in my raw form. Like I smelled good. He didn't like me with loads of makeup on. He liked me yeah. bare of face. I used to wear Laura Mercy tinted moisturizer and a bit of mascara. I love and that. Yeah, I mean, but my everything in me. So suddenly, and he was very into cooking slowly, taking ages to cook meals. Mm-hmm. I'd always thought of meals as being a bit of an impediment, something that, to, you know, like, yes. but we enjoyed food together. We enjoyed, like, like we physically he took me into my body and was like your body is fine you're yeah. beautiful Calm you're down. fine yeah don't worry it's all okay and having a lot of sex and having a lot of just you know being naked in front of someone mm. who appreciates your body and doesn't see it as like an alien thing he or was a battleground yeah it was a like a dawning of like a new mm. relationship with myself and um i started doing yoga during that time which was huge for me mm-hmm. um suddenly and over the course of the year that i was going out with him um, everything in me adjusted and it suddenly felt like things were clicking into place. I needed yoga in my life. It was good mm. for me. It made me feel good. I needed to enjoy my food and not have a re- bad relationship with it. And I needed to stop hating my body. And yeah. that slotted into place. And it wasn't necessarily because of him, but he was the catalyst. Mm. And what, sorry, this is what, 2006? That was 2007. 2007. Summer of 2007. Yeah. So you were 22 going on I was 23. 22. Yeah, I was 22 going on 23. And we were going out for my entire final year of uni. We then went away to Portugal together when I got my um, results. And I remember like sitting there and we, you know, just one of those holidays where like I was basically like, on the beach and I just I didn't even usually on a beach I'd be like aware of like my body yeah but I felt I was in such like harmony I sounds like mm. such a hippie but I was in such yeah. harmony that I didn't I just felt like I was great like mm. not I, I mean I wasn't even like I'm great look at me just like no, I just, just felt, felt really happy but also I, it sounds like you almost weren't even thinking about yourself you weren't thinking no. about I feel great you were just feeling great I was feeling great and also my spirit rose to the surface and this was a time that I started writing a lot of poetry and mm. some of it was really bad but some of it I think was really good yeah and I just had this this thing of feeling aligned and like mm. together and Which I actually at 22 is fucking uh, impressive it, right? very impressive yeah. but no it was it felt like just incredible there was the moment that my body became my body and it also just felt like mm. I was in control and I felt great I felt really great but then we broke up why like, was that you or him or mutual? Or? It was misunderstanding. So from the beginning, we had an issue with jealousy, and he was okay. and he was quite um, nervous about our relationship. He'd had some bad experiences, mm. and I think that he wanted something that was a bit safer. Yeah. Um. And and both of us, the the emotions ran too high. Maybe mm. I don't know. You know, twenty two, twenty three. It's yeah. a hard age to meet someone because you're too old to be flippant, but you're, but you're too, too young, young to in be a way. Like, Absolutely, this is what I need. Yeah, for yeah. me. So it was very hard, but it, like it was a very very fundamental forming relationship yeah. for me. And I felt I left that relationship, and I I chose to leave. Um. In the end. Mm. And I remember walking away, listening to Kylie, What Kind of Fool Do You Take Me For? Oh, and um, and listened sweet. to that on repeat. It was, leaving him was agony, but I very quickly started going out with someone else who was a lovely man, um, this explorer, and he was great. But Explorer. He was an explorer. I love that. Well, now he's an explorer. He was only a baby explorer at the time. He'd only just started. On our first date, he tried to take me up, uh, what's it, Ben Nevis? Is that it? In Wales? 
Is no. Ben Snowden? Snowden, thank you. What's Ben Where's Nevis? Ben Nevis? I don't even know what Ben Nevis That's is. That's really bad. Sorry. Is that I... in Nevis, in the Caribbean? <laughs> is Nevis <laughs> in the Caribbean? Nevis is in the Caribbean, but Ben Nevis? I mean, fuck no. I feel hugely embarrassed. Sorry, Please my geography is really bad. Yeah, apparently, um, apparently, I, apparently I am functionally an idiot. No, um, um, Ben Nevis. Okay, anyway, whatever Ben Nevis We're going to Google it afterwards. It, fine, we'll Google it, but it was that, that one that yeah, you they said. They tried Snowden. Snowden. He wanted to take me up Snowden and he was like, I'll wear rocks in my rucksack, but you don't have to. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Sorry. Like, yeah. To make it harder to on To make purpose. it harder to go uphill. Around that time, I started to have this throat itch panic, which plagued me for years, mm. where basically I'd feel like I couldn't breathe. I think it was to do with breaking up with that the, the yes. boy. And um, suddenly I just felt like something was in my throat and I couldn't breathe. And it felt like my life... I was going out with this very nice man. He was great to me. But I was dev- I was shattered inside. Yeah. I was completely shattered. We then broke up because it was never going to work. And then I had this awful year of just feeling totally lost in my life. Mm. And around this time, I was not in control of... I was saying not in control of my looks. I wasn't... In, you know, I was still sort of just doing my usual thing. But I didn't know what to do with my life. I felt just so lost. I knew I wanted to be a writer. didn't know how to get into writing. And I was just stuck. I was totally stuck. And were you working? Were you temping? I'd, well, at one point I'd worked at um, local newspapers like the Harrow Observer. Mm. Um, but I, my panic attacks were so bad that I couldn't go into offices. So yeah. I, to go in, the two weeks I did at the Harrow Observer, the first two weeks, I every single day I had to bargain with myself not to do it. I'd go, go in for two hours. Go in for three hours. You won't be sick if. Getting on the train yeah. was hard. Like, I couldn't do anything. I was used to, I couldn't do anything. Like, I couldn't work. Because all your energy was going into... I was just not panicking yeah just just existing like and it would look like I was always at parties but I was like I was dying like I had I was every night every night I'd feel like crying every night I felt dead inside I was devastated it was that was the worst period of my life like the worst year of my life and then I started working. Then I got a bit more like normal. I just sort of like calmed down a little bit. I had some when, good psychiatry. Yeah, I was going to say, when did you start seeing a psychiatrist? That's when I was 16. But then on oh, and off. Okay. But then I had a couple of bad ones and then a better one and then an okay one. I've got a very good one now. Yes. Um, but she's the best I've had, yeah. basically. But before that, I mean, I'd see people and they'd sort of help me. They do um, some um, cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. which... I think it's very useful if you're trying to get over someone te- temporarily, but it doesn't resolve the deeper issues, yeah. I don't think. so. And I had deeper issues. I've had deeper issues just from the things I've gone through in my life. Yeah. So um, I needed to go back and deal with those things. Yeah. I, the cognitive behavioural therapy was like a lovely plaster for me and it helped yeah. for a little short time. Anyway, during one of my plaster periods, I went to work at a company in the city and I was a um, secretary. Secretary? Mm-hmm. No, I was a PA. PA. You yeah, can be, PA. You can be a secretary if you want to be a secretary. No, I was a PA. I was, a PA. I, I was awful at being a PA though because on my first day, I um, ended up basically ended up paying all the bills that they had been meaning not to pay um, because no one was You're there so <laughs> i know i basically went and, and spent like seventy thousand pounds on on like paying the electricity they were like no we let it get in the red first we keep it in our account and i was like I had no idea. Well, I'm sorry. I think that's very illogical um, and very rude. Apparently, thing. it's common business practice. No, but... it is because they want, and also sometimes they do it when there's something coming up. Yeah, they yeah, want to yeah, yeah. Lots of money. Exactly. Well, I think it sounds like you were very. Thorough. I was very efficient. I, they hated me for that. But I met my husband there, and that mm-hmm. was great. And then we started going out. Um, and around this time, I was like dark haired. I was a bit, you know, I was a bit frumpier maybe because mm. I wasn't I wasn't so happy office wear is hard as well office wear was not good for me it was yeah. not a good time for me but I met my husband and that was great and he was just instantly a, just a very kind good person and we just had this lovely energy and I felt like my I'd seen a light you know my life yes. was suddenly better and how long and, and, he, and also he was quite he was quite sane sane very which sane which is somebody who's quite highly strung was quite a relief I presume yeah and he was quite um he's a good person mm. you know he's a good he's a good 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 man. person yeah, yeah. 
So suddenly I felt like... He's oh, also very fun. fun yeah, fair. no, he, he is, is very fun. And he used to make jokes that would make me laugh for hours on end. But, you know, he's a good person and I felt like there's just sense of safety mm. around him. So basically, we ended up going out and quite quickly being like, we're going to get married. So how long were you together before you got engaged? We were together for five months. And, th- and how long were you engaged? Um, we got engaged in August and we got married in April. So what's that? Seven, seven. eight months. So you've been together for a year, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. You did your own. You did your own makeup for your wedding. I did. Yes, I did. I remember some bits of it, not loads. Nars orgasm blush. um, Laura Mercier bare lips stick. Um, But I did my own makeup. I did um, two of my bridesmaids or three of them as well. Uh, it's always been a way of me calming down because I've yeah. done makeup so I sort of turned that into a side career by the way yes. <laughs> just as I was doing all of this she also did my um, wedding makeup you I did I did your wedding yeah, makeup you too yeah I love doing wedding makeup because that's the kind of makeup I love I love making yeah. people look beautiful I like a smoky eye too I like a going out makeup I like day to day good makeup yeah. you know and so did my own makeup um, got married then wait very quickly we should yeah. do so you had a um, Christian Lacroix dress yeah um, which was bought at Liberty with your mum. It was bought at Liberty's, yes. yes. Yeah, and then you also had your other little dress for your legal ceremony. I did, but that was, I got that in a, this is going to sound like I'm the kind of wanko who says stuff like this, but I got it in a vintage secondhand no, shop. So sweet. <laughs> and I didn't, it was an old Dr. Cabana one and it had like some printed bits on it, but it was like a mixed colour one. Yeah. And um, I loved that, yeah. And you had dark hair and you got married, didn't you? I had dark hair and I got married in a fringe. Actually, the fringe, my friend Jenna said to me, do you really want that fringe? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do, shut up. And actually, I do kind of regret the fringe. I I didn't hate it, but it was a bit heavy. And actually, it's Mm. not that timeless. But in any case, I I don't... Do you know what? Like, I wasn't never the person who was desperate to get married. And I didn't actually think this is the day of my life. I just thought this is a lovely day. And And you were 26, weren't you? I was 26, which was quite quite young. young. I was one of the first of my lot to get married. Big wedding in Austria. I had a big wedding in Austria. I had a wedding in London in Marlebone. And we went to the Montague afterwards for Mm -hmm. tea, which was quite civilised. And then in Austria, it was a three-day basically piss up. I was so hungover on my wedding day. (laughs) (laughs) The day before, all of us were drunk. Um, We had loads of brilliant people at the wedding, so everyone was, like, enjoying it. There were, like, 60 of us. When I walked up the aisle, um, the organist, who was drunk um, because he was mad, played Here Comes the Bride three times. I'd made it up by the end of the first time, then he just kept going. So (laughs) the whole thing was really comical, and it was a really fun time. I was signed off work about two months before I got married from panic attacks. Right, okay. From one day to the next, I was in the office and I suddenly couldn't bear the feel of paper. It sounds mad, but I could... I started touching paper and I thought, oh my God, this is... It felt like it was leeching the moisture from my hands, but it made me feel mad. No, I sort of... Yeah, I Mad. And my panic set in so deeply and my jaw, everything felt awful. I couldn't go to work. So I stopped. I I was signed off work um, by my GP. And then I was signed off. Actually, I was signed off work for like eight months. They, I, every time I, I had to see a psychiatrist and my panic attacks were so bad. At one point, I was basically confined to the flat we lived in in Bayswater. I couldn't, I oh. tried to get to Best One, which was the corner shop, maybe 50 metres from the house and I couldn't do it. On most days, I couldn't do it. And my husband would say, what are we going to have for dinner because you're not working? And I was like, I, today I could not leave the house. Oh. Couldn't do it. So I thought, I'm going to start a blog. I love writing and I just hadn't really buckle down to do it this is what 2010 2011 11. no and i this all started sorry i got married in 2011 this was 2012 i started the blog 2012 the blog did i mean i didn't say it did fairly well it didn't do that well but i i, I kept doing it and it mm. gave me a purpose and then i started working at marie claire because i'd known lisa oxen i'd interned there 
years before. And um, I'd known Lisa, the beauty director at Marie Claire, and she was just the most wonderful. And she's still a very good friend, isn't I she? I adore her. Yeah, she's amazing. And she's also very into health. And she, I used to watch her and she'd be like, you know, having her little seed and nut bars. And I'd be like, you're wonderful. I worked for Lisa. And then Lisa said, do you want to come back in? And I did. Everyone at that point was still very snobby about blogging, apart from Lisa, mm. I have to say. And there was this horrible, horrible snobbery around it. And But anyway, in the end, magazines realised that. Well, they learnt their lesson in the end, didn't <laughs> yeah. they? Yeah, they realised that. I didn't know where I fit, basically. I didn't know if I was a blogger or a journalist. I'd done some journalism. I had a blog. Um, my blog then was doing like quite good traffic. It won an award. It felt like things were going in that direction. Yeah. Then magazines called me, and I started working at lots of different magazines. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I felt like I was doing everything all the and time. And what kind of beauty are you wearing at this point? At this point, I was wearing a lot of eye makeup, almost almost always a kind of cognac smoky eye. Mm-hmm. Um, which is your favourite. Which is my favourite, and especially with a bit of like a deep, shot of like rich sparkly brown I just love that Um, or a red lip but that less often because it's a bit of a faff I think a red lip it's a lot Um, of maintenance it is maintenance and if you're at work all day and it gets dry and I don't know like I like to put on a bit of lip balm and not worry about what's going on with my lips and also my lips aren't they're not tiny so it's almost harder because it can move I find if I wear red lipstick my face looks quite slutty because you've got yeah you've got got biggish lips lips too and when I'm wearing red lipstick they're really they're in your face. bigger yeah. yeah and also like just it feels like i feel quite aware of it like i don't know and also yeah. i think if you've got a really cool look you can yeah but i wasn't but if you're cool. just wearing jeans and a t-shirt yeah so anyway i had long hair so i'm working at these magazines then i felt quite panicky again and stressed so i quit um so this is like the on and yes. off of my life yeah. then okay so then i've got like coming to now and i have a list basically of the things that have changed yeah. basically so i went to viva maya three years ago did their detox changed my life i've written about that extensively so it's all across my blog if you want to um know more about that but the eating, I've like the peace I found with myself at 22 was compounded at the Maya Clinic. And suddenly I was like, actually, you know what? My body's not a battle. I love yeah. my body. It's great. It does amazing things. Look at what it's done. And I felt happy with it. I still sometimes think, I'm having a fat day. I'm having a thin day. But I just, you know, yeah. I'm at peace with myself. I know that if I eat chocolate, I just went to Vienna. I ate like 1,500 cakes. I've put on weight. My jeans are tight. But I will just go back to normal. Yeah. So not, no battle there. I also, like, I've seen this woman, Pam, at Mortar Milk, and she loves Exuvian's products, actually, but she put me on a regimen, again, on the blog, but Pam has sorted my skin out, mm-hmm. mostly. So my skin, and my, I just feel a bit calmer about myself. Yeah. I had my hair cut off at Hershison's, but Hershison, George Northwood, um, you know, John Frieda, um, Mark at John Frieda's great hair cutter. So I've got, I now have hair that I like, and Jack Howard colours it, or Caroline and Brian at John Frieda. So I kind of have these people that I know now, yeah. you know, from my job, where You've I'm like... a little beauty family. I have my beauty people, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kind of know that they're they're my people. I trust them immensely. Um, Uchenna at London Smiling does my teeth. Um, when I say does them, she filled the bottoms and made them a bit whiter. So, you know, I feel like the basics are sorted. Now, if I take my makeup off, I'm like, it's okay. I might have a spot, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have else that. Is that. Yeah, I don't hate myself in that way. I don't have the battle. Um, and the products that I always use, always use. Bobby Brown Smoky Eyes Mascara. I fucking love that. It's yeah. just the best mascara. Um, Tom Ford Coco Mirage Eyeshadow Quad. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. L'Oreal Pro Glow Foundation. That Which I also now have. And do you like amazing. it? It's I love so it. good. Are you wearing, wearing it, it now? Right now? Yeah, it looks great. I'm wearing it now too. Yeah, it's, and like, so it's good. basically all I wear. My sister's got it now as well. She? Yeah. It's really L'Oreal great. Pro Glow. You need to give Madeline some it money. It is really. She's a good. Yeah, could you please give me some money? I really do talk about you a lot. How's <laughs> I body brush? I take probiotics. I take Simprove, which is a liquid probiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all things that over the years it took me years to find these things, and yeah. now I'm like they work. Um, yoga. Oh my God, the, the best thing ever. I love yoga and I know that I sound like one of those people, but I promise you it will. If you don't do it, it's brilliant. 
Um, I use a gua sha tool to like massage my body and it helps mm-hmm. circulation. So basically a lot of what I do is about circulation, yeah. getting in loads of nutrients, circulation and feeling good. And actually, oh, and perfume wise, sorry, I have to mention. They're very important. Very important. Sizzly Izzia, which is fizzy and light. Sizzly Izzia. It's like a grown up ghost. Oh, nice. Grown up ghost. And then winter sexy smells is either Trish McAvoy 100, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Charlotte Tilbury Center for Dream. Mm-hmm. Just discovered Ex Idolo, Love and Crime. And also Sir Glutons, um, Value de Nuit, which I think is £500, which is insane. But if you want something properly decadent, it smells like a sexy Bailey's, um, which is an odd description. Going to put department store yeah. and copy yourself in it. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing I do is I have lash lifts with this woman called Amy yes. Jean. And that helps. So my basics are now sorted. Mm-hmm. And I now feel like I'm wearing jeans and like this kind of quite ropey old jump from we're going to go to dinner in a quite fancy cool. place but I feel comfortable because mm. I feel like I've done the grooming yes and I think I've figured that out and I feel comfortable in myself and like good psychiatry I'm not having panic attacks at the moment really I mean I feel the odd wobble but you know and in the past year I found life quite tough in terms of like what's actually been thrown at me in my career and in my life but I've been I've, I've been tougher so I think getting older is joyous and also that's why I'm 30, I'm coming up to, well, by the time you listen to this, I'll be 34. And actually, so I haven't had anything done, like no Botox, no fillers, nothing like that. And I don't want to mm. now. I might in the future, but like, I don't feel the urge to do that because I think actually I'm okay looking like I'm in my 30s. Like I don't, I mean, I'm I fine. Yeah, I think there's a caveat there, which is that you don't look like you're in your but 30s. I don't, yeah. but, but you, but you, I think... It's what's great is that you, even if you feel like you look, I feel like I do. Yes, you don't want to fight with that. No, I don't. I'm fine with the odd Mm. wrinkle now. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy. You know, but that feels like the story. The the story that this has ended up telling really is a story about you, like, and stopping the fight. Yeah, and and like it's like having a kind of armistice with yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not fighting myself anymore, and I was. Yeah, and that's the end of that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. No, so um, so that's the end of my um, beauty story. I'm sure I've left things out, but I will, I'm sure, fill in the gaps. Um, thank and will you. you put, will you put on your, will you put on your blog the stuff that you... Oh, obviously. I'll put a whole list. A whole list. Of the so things I whizzed whole... through at the so end. So you can look like Madeline Spencer. So that was my beautiful life. And I just wanted to add a little footnote to say, I know that Rebecca and I focused a lot on my earlier life and teen years and 20s and not so much on my blog and work and what I use now. And we both thought that that might be a good thing to do because I write a lot more about those things and a lot less about what I have experienced. And I thought that this might give you an insight into where I'm coming from. And hopefully you found it entertaining. I also wanted to take this opportunity to thank you so much for tuning in every week. It means an awful lot that so many of you have come to join every week for these episodes and also tell you that season two has some fantastic guests. So I look forward to welcoming you back in January with them. This does not quite mark the end of season one, though, because next week there is a Christmas special where I will be joined by two guests who've been on the podcast and we talk all things Christmas and all sorts of memories and things to do with the holiday season. So hopefully I will see you then. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.